0: welcome in to another week of King's basketball return of the roar podcast Chris Watkins Frankie Cardicelli as always Frank we survived yet another week of the deadly. Well actually I shouldn't make jokes about deadly because I don't know what the death count is. But the Sacramento storm of 2023 uh we have survived. I was without power from Saturday until Tuesday morning, I believe, Tuesday midday. Uh you're having some internet issues now, so so please excuse us if uh we have to if like this all stops at some point uh, and we have to re-record, we will not be going live for that reason this week, uh, but you can definitely check us out next week. Uh, we should have uh, our, our friends, Matt George and Brendan Nunez be joining us on next week's live stream. So be sure to check us out on the Sacktown sports, 1140 YouTube page and the Sacktown sports, 1140 Twitter page, as well as every Thursday. If you don't know, uh, we have been going live on those platforms uh, to record the podcast. Anything to throw in there? Have has your has your um, storm season been been pretty low key?
1: Hasn't been fun, uh, not not fun. And you know, I I obviously my internet has been the one thing that's remained constant throughout this whole process. My internet has stayed strong until today. The sun's out. Um, it, it, the first time I've seen the sun in I think two weeks. Good point. And it my internet is down for some reason. No wind, no rain. Uh, no internet. So I'm not really sure what is going on. I don't know if, if how that works, what that process looks like. Are there internet lines that get flooded? Cause I do know that, uh, I'm in, I'm in Natomas, South Natomas right now. And Discovery Park is underwater. Come like under at least two feet of water, I think. So stay safe out there. Sacramento, scary times, uh, more coming, another storm coming tomorrow night, but I'm not a meteorologist. I'm a King's journalist and I've had fun at the past – well, not fun, I guess. Let me say, the past two games, let's just say they have been basketball games. Can we agree yeah. they've been basketball games? And they have been played. They've been played. There have been Their basketball games that have been played at a arena. And mm-hmm. whether all of those minutes of that game were enjoyable, uh, I won't dive into that. But I will say mm-hmm. that the results make me happy, feeling good. Mm-hmm. Kings have won two in a row after opening up their five game homestand with a couple of uh, I don't want to say bad losses, but the, the Atlanta loss on the second night of a back-to-back, tough. Uh that's one that it's a tough game, no matter how you slice it. Lakers game, King should have had that one. I I think that's that's one that bothers me the most. But uh then they go get two against Orlando and Houston that they really needed to get. Chris, how are you feeling after those two games?
0: Um yeah. Like you said, uh they, they played them the results were positive. Uh, The final results were positive. Uh, The process was, was, was tough. The process, it was a tough, tough way to get there. Uh, The Orlando game wasn't so bad because that did feel like, I mean, the first half, it was a little bit of, uh, I think uh, Mark Jones likes to use. And I think I saw you use it in your article. They were playing with their food and it was playing with their food a lot last night as well against Houston in the first game of their two game series. But it did feel like, uh, you know, specifically last night against Houston but also in that Orlando game they have been playing down to their competition which really is is a it's a classic trait of these of Kings teams of the past it's just like you know King's teams obviously haven't been good in the past uh, by any stretch but it, it' always seems like when the Kings play these opponents that they're quote-unquote supposed to beat or should be easy wins like we've seen these past four games for whatever reason they just can't take care of business and give us a result like what we saw earlier this year against the Clippers. And granted that Clippers team was down super bad and didn't have Kawhi or Paul George or Luke Kennard or any of their guys. But um, man, is it so hard to ask for just a good old fashioned blowout? We kind of got that against Orlando and it was a very comfortable lead. Um, but last night's result against Houston was incredibly deceiving. If you look at the scoreboard, at the end of the game, it was a 20-point win for the Kings. Sure, looks comfortable, looks great. P.J. Dozier comes in. Matthew Delvadova comes in. Looks like your standard typical 20-point blowout. But if you watch that game... Ke- Keon Ellis, by the way, first bucket. Keon, that, there you go. That's what I should have led with. Ke- that's what we should be leading off with. Keon Ellis... Uh, well, Brendan's not here, but Keon Ellis gets his first career uh, baskets, a three-pointer. Looks like it should be a, uh, you know, with all those factors playing in, if I were to just tell you that that happened, you would have thought, okay, yeah, cool, Kings win comfortably. Um, it was not comfortable at all for about, was three and a half quarters there uh, until Trey Lyles decided to go absolutely nuclear. And and I think officially we can put the stamp on it. That is the Trey Lyles game,
1: is it not? Trey Lyles game, Forever absolutely. And, yep. and especially in a, in a game that the Kings looks – Outside of Damanis Sabonis, they were pretty flat. Uh, they were pretty flat. They were trailing in the fourth quarter. Eight minutes left. I remember, I think I turned to you, and, you know, pessimism, the pessimistic side of me. I yep. said, they're going to lose this game. It just felt that way. It just felt like the Kings never were able to create separation. They've struggled with creating separation against some of these teams and in, in these games that they should create separation in. Uh, but Trey Lyles, Kings are trailing 101-100, eight minutes left. Trey Lyles goes on a run. De'Aaron Fox obviously helps out six assists in that fourth quarter, but uh, Trey Lyle's 15 points, a career high for points in the fourth quarter. And the Kings, end, uh, they don't end the game on a 22-4 run, but they they mount that 22-4 run that kind of puts the game away. But like you said, wasn't comfortable. And I'm looking right now at how the game unfolded. And uh, The third quarter was the tough one. The, the Rockets shoot 52% mm-hmm. from the field, 66 from three, six of nine from behind the arc in the third. But then you flip the switch to the fourth, and that's what Mike Brown was giving the Kings a lot of credit for, how bad they've been defensively, but he gave them credit to they were able to turn it on when they really needed to, and they hold the Rockets to 35% shooting from the field, 33 from three, 20 points in the fourth quarter. Trey Lyles almost single-handedly equaled the Houston Rockets last night. And I think that's kind of, um, it speaks to the Kings' death, like we talked about. There's been these games of different players stepping up and having a night, like Malik Monks had big nights. Uh, Terrence Davis has had a couple of big performances. Now you have Trey Lyles, who steps up, has a season-high 20 points, uh, two blocks and six rebounds in the fourth, by the way, alone. Six boards and two blocks in the fourth quarter. That's why he got the defensive player of the game chain. But uh, it speaks to the depth of the Kings. And Trey Lyles is somebody – I think we had a whole podcast about him in the offseason about how the Kings really should pick up his $2 million option, uh, $2.5 option. And, I mean, it's been worth it so far. I mean, wouldn't you agree he's been one of the better – not surprises, but one of the better, I guess, cogs in the rotation this year.
0: Yeah, he's been definitely, especially off the bench, uh, probably I put behind Malik, the most consistent player that we've had off the bench this season. Uh, Davion obviously is going to bring you a certain level of energy every night off the bench, but his offense has been so up and down. His defense has been there all every night. But Trey Lyles, especially for the past really what feels like month, um, I would have to pin it down. By looking I can pull at the numbers, but it it really feels like he's taken a real initiative uh, to rebound the basketball specifically, and and Mike talked a ton about that last night, just about how uh, he he's challenged Trey, uh, who has always apparently been a great offensive rebounder, not something that I I personally had seen. The, the level of it just feels like he has a different level of tenacity uh grabbing these rebounds. Like he's really, really flying in and crashing the boards hard. Um, and it's incredibly noticeable. Uh, it feels like, like I said, this past month or so he's just been on uh, a different level of intensity. And and I've I've I feel like I noticed it right away and it it it's been it's been huge for his game because he, he talked about it last night as well. You can see that just him getting involved like that, like that's his way of getting touches. Like, you know, offensively, Trey Lyles is never going to be the offensive focus. Um, you know, they're never going to run plays for Trey Lyles. But if he can get those offensive rebounds, it's a way of him getting the ball in his hands and feeling like he's he's a part of play. Uh, and that's huge, especially for a guy who, who's getting, you know, a lot of the Kings bench guys are only getting under 20 minutes a game. And so it's hard to get into any sort of rhythm when that's the case. And, and Trey has been really fantastic. I've, I've loved Trey Lyles' game this past month.
1: Hey, hey, man, your eyes are not deceiving you. And since Trey Lyles has been re-implemented in the rotation, remember he was out of the rotation for a little bit there uh, in early December and, and for November. But since around Christmas, December 23rd, Trey Lyles, since he's, start, he's been playing uh, around 20 minutes per game, 10 games for Trey Lyles, last 10. 9.1 points per game, six rebounds. So you're right on the rebounding. It definitely is, is passing the eye test. He's pulling down boards, 53% from the field, 44% from three mm. and kind of sprinkle on the 81% from the free throw line. He's been a big piece of his bench. And he's somebody yeah. who is, is, I think it's one of Mike Brown's guys. And he's someone that right now, another bad game from Tremezzi we could be looking at the backup center. I mean, we've seen Trey Lyles play backup center minutes, which again, you don't want – I mean, Trey Lyles is not a center. He's 6'9", 230. I mean, I don't think he's even 230 anymore. He's lost He's lost some weight. Yeah. Like he, he really thinned out in the offseason. That was a goal of his uh, to kind of be more mobile, more versatile. And I think that that's a nice thought for Mike Brown. But, I mean, I think him as a backup forward, it's huge for this team. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. He's a veteran. He's been in with, on winners. But uh, the past 10 games have been great for Trey, and right now he's having a good season. I mean, he's having a good yeah. season overall. And uh, I think it just kind of speaks again to the depth of this team and how valuable yeah. he is. And we saw a Trey Lyles game last night,
0: right? And we've seen we've seen uh, Kings have multiple producers off the bench like that, and, and you know it really does speak to their depth. And when you really, I was I was thinking about this the other day. Trey Lyles is not in this group or in this category, but I believe the Kings have had five players finish a game this season with over thirty points. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox, Demontis Sabonis. Uh, Kevin Herder, Malik TD. Monk, and TD. Yeah, that's five play, five different players who have finished a game over thirty points. I, I can't think of another team that even has the capability of doing that. When, especially when two of those guys have came off the bench for you. Yeah, I mean it. It definitely. And when
1: you when you think yeah. about, I think that I want to say the way Keegan Murray's playing too. And I don't know if this is a transition. He'll get one. Not, I know he'll get one. I think he's going to get one. I think he's next. And usually that's like a King's rite of passage for a rookie. Most rookies have like a 30-point game, don't they? I mean, I think Fox Charles had Scow. one. Scowl, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, Ben Macklemore had a 30-point game in his last game. Always last game of the, game of the season.
0: Always. always. It's always last game of the year. See, so, yeah, when,
1: when when the Kings are tuning up for knock on wood, hopefully playoff right. appearance. We could see Keegan Murray just kind of playing 35 minutes in the last game and going for 30. But yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know if that's a transition to that or not. I mean, last night, Keegan Murray, uh, if I could pull it up right here, um, the three point shooting has been, I mean, really impressive to me. Yeah. But last night, Keegan Murray goes for 16 points. It's his third straight game with 15 or more. Uh, Five of 14 from the field. So he didn't, he kind of was chucking a little bit late, but uh, four of 11 from three, 16 points. He's been rebounding the basketball. That's something Mike Brown told him, I want you to go rebound more. And we joked about. Uh, well, we were joking last night about it, but Mike Brown told the, the media before the game that he went up to Keegan in practice and said, hey, because uh, he knew in his mind he had three rebounds the other night. He said, how many rebounds do you have the other night, Keegan? And Keegan said, more than zero. So Keegan's hitting the board, six rebounds last night. I think he had f- three of his last five games. He's had five rebounds or more. So uh, the three-point shots been there. Uh, last five games for Keegan, 14.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 52% from the field, 56% from 3. Chris, yeah. what is your confidence level mm-hmm. in the rookie after? I know that you were kind of on the fence about him during his struggles, yeah. but what is your what is your confidence level in Keegan Murray right now? Um I I'm uh,
0: yeah, it feels like he he's definitely hitting another not another level, but just it seems like he's gotten past uh, another wall, if that makes sense, like it, it seems like he's getting more comfortable and what he's now played 38 games, I believe, thirty thirty eight 38 games uh, in his NBA career. We're pushing on the most amount of games he has probably ever played in a basketball season before. And with that, com- you know, like a, it's a long journey. Um, and I think we're finally starting to see him really. Be comfortable with his game, both not just offensively, defensively as well. Mike has made a lot of points to point out the fact that Keegan has, has been a lot better on his backside rotations. We've seen him start to take charges these past couple games as well. I think that's been the biggest development for him is is having an impact on that defensive end as well as the rebounding. Um, To me, that quote from Mike Brown is is the quote of the season so far for me, and and there's obviously been a ton, but um, to hear him ask Keegan, so Keegan, if someone were to ask me, what's Keegan Murray bring to the table if he's besides shooting or if he's not hitting his shot, Um, and for him to constantly question keegan on that is like that is that is coaching like that, that is coaching 101 that is how you get uh development out of a rookie and not just you know a singular fo- like they're trying to really build out keegan he's not just a shooter in this team's eyes mike's challenging him to get seven eight rebounds a game on top of his 14 15 16 points per game uh, that's the kind of development that you like to see from Keegan. And if he can be an all-around player, a la Harrison Barnes, kind of, uh, I think it's only going to be better for Keegan. So I, I feel really good about the the progress in which he has made. I feel good about where he's going. I still have questions on the overall ceiling, and that's a completely different conversation. But, um, you know, seeing him go against Jabari Smith last night, it was definitely interesting and Jabari definitely got one on him. He he threw it down he pretty did. he threw down a pretty nasty dunk on Keegan's head, but um you know all in all I think I think you know I I'm, I'm okay with where Keegan is at and how he's doing so far. He's absolutely not a bust. We have 100% seen busts here in Sacramento and and I'm not afraid that Keegan Murray is not a a professional basketball player. It's just uh, what level can he get to? And that's, you know, we're yeah. just kind of seeing
1: him evolve throughout the games. I think that if he can rebound more and if, if this was his, his ceiling as a score, which is he's averaging around 11, 12 right now, but I think he's about a 13, 15 point per game score. I think that's what you can expect from him. If that was his ceiling and we don't know if it is or not, it might be, it might not be. I'd be okay with that. But if he could bring more of an impact on the boards, which he is showing he can do, he's athletic enough to do that and defend better, which he does play decent. I mean, he's had a couple of nice blocks. He He's long. He's, he he can. I think he's capable of playing better defense. He did it in college. Uh, that's a great pick for the Kings, and a great pick especially if you have Fox and Sabonis locked in long-term. Fox right now is, and Sabonis, we'll see. I mean, at this rate, he's definitely a supermax guy. We'll talk more about him later. But um, Keegan Murray, he's one of 10 players in the NBA right now that are shooting 40% or better, over 200 attempts. There are two Kings in that top 10, Kevin Herter, uh, he's fifth in the NBA, 42% over uh, over 200 attempts. Keegan Murray's 10th in the NBA, three-point shooting over 200 really? attempts. Now, of those, there's 15 players that are shooting 40% or better over 200 attempts. Keegan Murray is the youngest, which I know we talk about how he's kind of older. I mean, he's an older rookie, but he is the youngest out of all those players. So uh, 22 years old. Keegan Murray right now three-point shootings there playing through a thumb injury, which the Kingsman vague about. We don't know the extent we don't know uh, how serious it is. Obviously it's something that he's going to have to manage. He said that he'll have to manage it through um, the next month or two, probably till the all-star break. But as we know, he, he won't be getting much of a break. He probably most definitely, I mean, hundred percent, he will be in the rising stars game. Uh, one thought I had about that, Chris, before we move on from Keegan, the rising stars game, uh, I thought coming into the season, though Davion was for sure going to be Davion Mitchell was going to be a slam dunk to be in there. I mean, usually a lot of players return. Do you think there's a chance that he sneaks in just because of the, the the defensive narrative to his game? Or do you think that there are too many people? Mm. And I'm trying to think about the sophomore class. I mean, I guess I could pull it up who is in that sophomore class. that would be deserving.
0: I think what ends up hurting him is it's, it's not, it's like it is still rookies and sophomores in the game, but it's US against world, I believe. Yeah. I don't believe it's a, an entire team of rookies against an entire team of sophomores. If it were that case, I think Davion has a better chance, but the fact that they're merging the two classes with only splitting it up by country or, you know, whatever world or US Good affiliate point. is is probably not great for Davion's chances, but I would have to go through the list. I can't really yeah, I mean, in
1: my head right now, there's
0: not a lot of guards that I can think of, at least, especially in last year's draft.
1: Well, J- uh, there's
0: Jay Nivey. J-
1: J- Jalen Green is in. Well, oh, from this, from wait, from uh, from, from both class. classes, but
0: I, I was thinking both classes, but um, yeah, I mean, right, but I, I guess,
1: Green, I guess you're right. I forgot about the USA World aspect. That is a, that's something that they do now. Um, but 2021, yeah, I mean, Kate is out. Uh, Jalen Green is in. Jalen Suggs probably, I mean, if Davion's I mean, Jalen, he's been pretty bad yeah. this year, hasn't he? Yeah,
0: I would say I would say Davion's probably a better shout than than Suggs.
1: Book Knight, no. Moody, yeah. no. Chris Duarte's yeah. been hurt. I don't know. Um right. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I I, that, so maybe there's I mean, that's that's twenty twenty one. Uh so there's only a handful from there. I mean, twenty twenty two, if you look at the guards. Uh you do have Jaden Ivey. Much. He he probably yeah. should be in there. Uh, yeah. Benedict Benedict Matherin's from Canada, so he'll probably be on the world. Right. Right. Um Dyson Daniels, I think Davion and him are, it's that's kind of a wash. I believe I don't Dyson know.
0: Daniels is Australian as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. He is Australian. So I maybe there is a path. I don't know. I didn't really maybe. think about it that way.
0: Yeah. I guess
1: it it is more of a forward heavy past couple of drafts. No, I mean Keegan, Jabari, yeah. Paolo. Um last year, who was it? It was I mean Cades, I guess, a four I mean, he's a shooting guard. Yeah. Um uh, Kaminga, he'll probably be on the world team. Franz Wagner, Franz yeah, so
0: right, yeah.
1: There's a path. Um, is he deserving? I guess that's another question. Maybe. I mean, I, I'd like to think he is, um, but he hasn't really gotten the minutes he got last year. I mean, just going off the top of my head, I would say he's played—I don't want to say ten, but at least five, six minutes less per game this year. Um, yeah. And this year, yeah, he's played. Last year, he played 27.7 minutes per game. This year, he's played 19. That's a pretty significant yeah. drop off. Yeah, so that's- well, a lot,
0: a lot of that was was late season minutes, but yeah, I, 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 definitely agree. Like, it, he's, he's without a doubt had a much smaller role this year.
1: While we're on the subject of all star stuff. I mean, I guess that's a good transition into the voting today, right? Because I guess the last yeah. two guys I'd like to talk about, Fox and Sabonis. Uh, the voting, the numbers came out again today, and there's mm-hmm. there's some good news. De'Aaron Fox is in the top ten in the guards. I mean, that's I don't know who dropped out. Do you know who dropped out?
0: Uh, it was Jordan pool.
1: Okay. I mean, that still uh, Austin Reeves is still Austin. is still ninth though.
0: That's uh, (laughs) that was my thought too. For like a second, I saw the, I saw De'Aaron was included and I was like, I wonder how much of this is like the NBA was embarrassed by the fact that Austin Reeves made it. And like, there was no, like neither Sabonis or Fox. And so how much of that is like them potentially playing with the numbers and trying to figure that out. And then exactly like you just, (laughs) you just said, I was like, Oh no! Austin Reeves is still on this thing, so uh, yeah, there's um, there's still some work that needs to be done. That's hey, that's what I have to say.
1: I think that give us some give Kings fans a, like a hand though. Give Kings fans a hand, a round of applause. I think sure. they did make a push. They made a push. A guy in the but. I think I heard, I can't remember who said it yesterday. I I can't remember where I heard this from. I wish I could credit people when they say things that are smart, (laughs) smarter than I am. But uh, someone said that, you know, Kings fans, and I think I was a little critical, and some people have been critical about Kings fans hitting the voting polls more, but someone out there said that it kind of falls on the rest of the NBA world that are not watching other games. And I think one thing that you and me and, and Brendan we do try to tap in and watch as much basketball. I mean, I, I watch any game on League Pass if it's close and second half, third quarter, I flip it on. Or if I'm bored, I flip it on. I do. Or if I'm on the side, we try to watch basketball. We like the game. Not as much as Brendan. Brendan is a, he breathes it. I think he wakes up and he just flips on highlights from four years ago because he saw something in a game and he remembers it. That guy is a basketball aficionado. But um, we know enough about the top 10 that Austin Reeves should not be there. Uh, we know enough that. You know, in my opinion, a player like Andrew Wiggins should definitely not be on there. I mean, he's been hurt, number one. Number two, he shouldn't have been starting last year. But we know enough about just the the grand scheme of the the talent pool in the NBA. Like, Derek Rose should not be top 10 in the East. We don't – we're not covering the New York Knicks, but we know that. The only reason why a lot of these names are up there is because of the name and who they are. And I think you do have situations like Oklahoma City. Who they've done a really good job of pushing Shea Gilgis Alexander to the top because he deserves it. He's top four in, in the West right now. Yeah. But the rest of the NBA, there's that narrative of the Kings being the Kings. I mean, people don't pay attention to them. They just don't care. So not many people they know who De'Aaron Fox is, but they don't really they don't really know, if that makes sense. So why would they vote for him when there are other options in the West? And you, know, you only get two options per <laughs> per vote. So that's the tough part.
0: I think it's also tough that this is, like, it's voting for starters. Like, it, when you do the, the voting panel, it's like you only do your top five. And, frankly, I just think a lot of people aren't going to have De'Aaron Fox top of mind for top five. You know, like, you, you're if you're voting for De'Aaron Fox or Damanis Sabonis, you're probably intentionally putting them into the lineup, if that makes sense. Like, Shea Gilders Alexander, I was just trying to figure out, like, Shea has a one million more votes than De'Aaron Fox and Shea is playing incredibly well to your point like like the national like more people are clearly obviously a million more people are voting for Shea but like what is it that makes Shea that much more noticeable and accolade worthy than De'Aaron it's the fact that he's putting 30 points up per game and people see like, oh, he's a top five scorer in the league. He clearly deserves an all-star spot. But like you're mentioning, that's just people who who clearly are not watching the game. Not that Shea isn't having that kind of impact, but if you're a real NBA fan, like you have to know that you can't reward somebody who who's on a team that's below 500. I believe OKC is the 12 seed right now in the Western Conference. Like for an all-star game, you need to have you need to you need to uh, um, incentivize winning. You know Chris, you,
1: can't, the, you can't. You can The Kings are fourth in the West. The Kings yeah. are fourth in the West. Fourth. I mean, who's fourth in the East? I mean, they're seventy sixers. And of course, Joel Embiid's fourth in that list. I mean, it, they don't really have anyone else in there. So I guess that's not really fair. James but... Okay, never mind. I saw. I did not see that. James Harden is third in the East, which is, I'm sorry, right. a joke. Uh, Tamasabonus has been in the All Star twice. So this this man's gotten votes before. He is – who is – I mean, I'm looking at the top front court guys in the West. LeBron James, sure. He's LeBron James. Sure. Nikola Jokic, absolutely. Sure. MVP. Anthony Davis, even, there's an argument. I mean, sure, he's been one of the better players in the league. He's been hurt. Uh, Zion Williamson. There are four players, to me, that I guess make sense to be ahead of Damanis Sabonis. Yeah. Yep. But there are more than that. I mean, there's Kawhi Leonard, who's barely played this year. Laurie Markinen had a great year, don't get me wrong, but he's not been Damanis Sabonis. No. Draymond freaking green is eighth on the list. Yeah. And Kevon Looney, yeah. don't even get me started. But Demonis Abonis leads the NBA in rebounding. 18 straight double doubles. The guy is Diet Jokic. 19 points per game, 12 and a half boards, seven assists. Like, what the hell are we doing here? I mean, if you're not, if you don't notice Demonis Abonis, but you're voting for Draymond Green, and I know what San Francisco, the metropolitan area of San Francisco, is millions, plural, of people but I just don't get how basketball fans out there. And there's a lot in the yeah. world. Don't sprinkle in. What is it? Uh, not even half a million votes for Sabonis. I mean, not even 400 K. So again, it's a popularity contest. And, and we talked about this already. Uh, it's starters. It's all popularity. It's all geography. In most cases. I mean, the big cities are going to New York, Los Angeles, those votes are going to in the Bay area. Those votes are going to um, kind of push his way to the front, but, I think that Damanis Sabonis is a lock for the all-star team. I think we can kind of, I mean, can we, even like the athletics putting out articles saying he's going to yeah. be, can we, do you feel, I think last week you weren't fully ready to say he's a lock. Do you feel like Damanis Sabonis, at least him, and then I guess we'll get to Fox, but yeah. Sabonis is for sure going to make the all-star team.
0: Yeah, I think I had him at like 97% last year. I'll, I'll go 100%. i would like, yeah, he, he <laughs> continues to just be ridiculous. Put up these like 2015 and, eight performances, stuff like that. Um, it's, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, we like, look up. He's, he's, during the game last night, I think we looked up like, oh, he has seven rebounds, and there's still six minutes left in the first quarter. It's dumb. It's really dumb. He, um, 18 straight double-doubles, obviously, that broke DeMarcus Cousins' Sacramento-era record of 15 straight. But only four players have an 18 straight double-doubles since 1990, Chris. Can you name yes. them? Yes, only because I read your article. Um,
0: it was Wilt Chamberlain, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Garnett. Not it was since nineteen ninety, Wilt Chamberlain was. Oh, hey, okay. uh, since nineteen ninety, it was KG Jokic. Um, there was four players. Uh, yep. and it's twenty ten and five.
1: Uh, so the eight, the that's different. That was a different oh, one. Okay, but eighteen straight double doubles. Uh, it was oh, eighteen straight double doubles. Yeah. Uh
0: man, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, Jokic for sure. Mm-hmm, one. Right? Uh Kevin Love. No. Um, yes. Kevin Love. Uh man. Oof. Not DeMarcus. Um man, that's really tough. Giannis. Yep. Uh uh. Um Okay, cool. Nailed it. Nailed it. So it's... Jokic KG. It was a KG? No. Yes.
1: that other one was uh, players to average 20, 14, and 7 over a 17-game span. That was Westbrook, Garnett, Jokic, Sabonis. Mm. This man is doing things that have not been done. They've been done a handful of times over the last 30 years. It's before we were even thoughts on our parents' heads, Chris. So um, Sorry I keep aging people every time we record. Trying to stay young. Uh, so Sabonis, I mean, yeah, he's a lock. What about I have a question for you, yes, real quick.
0: And we, you've asked me this question before, uh, but it does honestly feel like one of those things that we kind of have to keep updating. <clears throat> Sabonis, we talked about last time, uh, actually the other game. You asked me. I think Sabonis is like he, he's, he's past DeMarcus Cousins stuff at this point. Is Sabonis to that Weber level to you?
1: He's I mean at I this think point, he's this team is
0: winning. Yes. He's putting up, as you mentioned, numbers that have only been done by a handful of players. We're not talking franchise. We're not talking we're talking all NBA history. He is doing something that maybe four or five other guys have done before. Uh and has turned this team around in at this point just about a calendar year of being here. Is Sabonis I think-
1: trending towards?
0: best Sacramento
1: King of all time. If he stays here, I think for, I think it'd be a four or five year deal after this year. I think he will be, I mean, is this sustainable? I don't want to be a Homer, but what he I does. don't see why it's not. I mean, why, why I don't really see a reason why he'd slow down. I mean, even if you were to slow down the rebounding, uh, maybe he'll score more. If you were to slow down scoring, that means he's going to pass more. He is yep. not one dimensional. He's not even two dimensional. He is a three-dimensional player. He can pass, he can score, he can um, rebound. So if you're going to take one of those away, there's still two more that can beat you. And even if you can take two, I mean, there's always something he can do to change the game. So the fact that he is able to do, I mean, again, I'm look, if you look at his game logs, it's literally, it's a joke. It just looks like if you were to make your creative player 99 on, on, on 2K, it's just ridiculous. 21 points. It was over the last... Over this 18-game stretch, 21 points, 14 and a half rebounds, 7 assists, 50% from three, 64% from the field. There's not a part of his game that is a negative. I mean, even his turnovers are not out of control. He had one game against Utah uh, the day before New Year's Eve on the 30th. He had seven turnovers. That was kind of the only hiccup. I mean, every other game, he's had four or less. Uh, in most cases, he has two or three a game. That's manageable when he's giving out seven assists per game. Uh, there's not really a bad part of his game, and that's why I'm saying I think it's sustainable. He is, I think I turned to you last night and said that I think he is a better big than DeMarcus Cousins was at this point. I think he is more, uh, I, I think DeMarcus Cousins was more offensively dominant like as far as scoring the basketball. bonus is a better round, like rounded out player. He can. He's a better passer, better rebounder, and um, obviously a more efficient scorer. That doesn't mean he's a better scorer, but he's more efficient. And when you're shooting 65% from the field, and nearly posting triple doubles every night. That puts you in MVP discussion. And I don't think he's going to be yeah. even top five in MVP. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I do think he'll get a vote, at least a vote or two, which I don't know when the mm-hmm. last time Sacramento King got MVP votes was. I would imagine it's been a very – maybe Mike Bibby back in like 2004 or something. Five. Right. I don't know. But it's Asia been a while. Got
0: some, I think Asia finished second in MVP one year, second or third in MVP one year. He one year we went crazy. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I don't see that this is slowing down at any point for him. It definitely feels like this is just something that, I mean, I'm looking right now at his, he's done this since he was 23 years old, he, since the 1920 season when he made his first all-star season. Uh, in his first all-star season, he played 62 games, averaged 18 and a half points, just under 12 and a half rebounds, and five assists. This season, he's averaging 18.9 points, just under 12 and a half rebounds, and 6.8 assists. So he's doing better than his actual all-star season. Uh, and if you look at his his season stats, every single year, he's at 18, he's at 12, and he's at 5. Like, this is just the player he is. Uh, and at 26 years old, there's no reason to think... Uh, that he he can't continue to do this at least for the next three to four years. Uh, and he's not, you know, he's not a dude who's like Dwight Howard, who really relies on his athleticism to, to be the kind of center and put up the numbers he is. He's a very below the rim player. Uh, so even if I'm not even going to speculate on injuries or anything like that, but if he were to athletically not be the same guy that he is, I can still see him having a tremendous amount of value just because of the way he plays and how he plays. Isn't reliant on that kind of athleticism or speed or anything like that. So uh definitely feel like it's, this is something that's just going to be a constant
1: for him. Yeah. I mean the, 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 the three point shooting too. I know that's something we talked about a lot coming the year. I'm not going to bring up your best friend, lethal shooter, do it. even though I just kind of did. Uh, but the three-point shooting has been there. I mean, that was one of the biggest Achilles heels to his game. And one of the biggest critiques was he's a good player, but he can't really shoot the basketball, uh, 41% from three of us here, which again, I mean, he's taking, he's not shooting it that often, but when he is, it's going down. And mm-hmm. that to me has been a difference maker to me too. I mean, he's not a guy that, uh, you can't really sag off him right now. I mean, def- opposing defenses can't really sag off and expect him to to miss more than than not i mean I, he's he's proven that he can knock that down um uh, and like you said i mean he's having a better season than his all-star seasons i mean if you were to continue this for three four more years i mean that that puts him in i'm I, hall of fame discussion i mean if he's doing yeah. this for i mean he's done it for what three four years already because i'm looking back at his i mean he's averaged at least 18 in 10 since yeah for almost four years now so if he continues to do this and four years is a long time. If he continues to do this, yeah. I mean, eight, nine-year career of averaging 18, 12, and six, I mean, that puts you in, in a pretty good – same spot as his dad. I mean, same right. spot as, 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 as Papa Sabonis. So uh, he'll be – I think he'll be an all-star. I think we can agree he'll be he'll be there in Salt Lake City. But somebody who – again, who had a great impact last night, even though he didn't have his usual fourth-quarter explosion, uh, he did it in a different way. De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, exactly. Nine points and six assists in the fourth. I mean, he did have a huge impact, but he is somebody that uh, did crack the top 10. He is someone that is not a sure thing to make the all-star team. I will say I've seen a lot more, uh, a lot more like discussion and chatter. I mean, I think I think Isaiah Thomas said uh, he should be an all-star. Magic Johnson came out on Twitter and, and, and said that Fox needs to be a first-time all-star. Uh, I think that the, the backing of a wider NBA base is, is there. I think he's starting to get more attention on that regard. Do you think that matters? Do you think it matters that he's starting to kind of get more voices in his corner and outside of Sacramento? Do you think that might help like at all? Or do you think it's kind of just still a, a matter Ooh. of who's in who's, out? I mean, because when you think about this, yeah, who, when you look at those names, I, Devin Booker, I think that's one that's kind of up in the air. Will he make it? I mean, he's been hurt. Uh, I mean, as far as their guards go, Clay Thompson, I don't think he's deserving. Russell Westbrook, don't think so. Damian Lillard, I think Fox is more deserving than Lillard. I mean, I just, I'm wondering if the fact that he's getting more backing from around the league, does that matter?
0: I think it does, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to play. I don't think it's going to get him the all-star bid. If anything, it really, to me, feels like we're setting up for De'Aaron Fox being the snub. And being the guy, the first guy out of everyone's mouth when it's like, okay, who are the biggest snubs this season? And uh people are gonna then act like it's such an atrocity that De'Aaron Fox is not on the team. Um because yeah, obviously like no one's no one's making an argument. Luca has to be on the like obviously Luca has to be on the team. No one's like, John Morant has to be on this all-star team. Like It, it just feels like a given. So you're going to kind of argue for the guys that are more on the fringes. And uh, if I had to guess, I mean, clearly the fans agree. I think Shea will probably get the nod over De'Aaron. And, you know, I don't know exactly how the numbers are going to play out. But like I said, it just kind of feels like we're, we're headed towards De'Aaron Fox being that first guy off the list and, you know, potentially could be, could be a uh, replacement, you know, uh, make, make the team as a, as a sub. Um, But I I just, I don't feel like he's going to make the roster at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate, you know, especially when you look at what Fox has been doing this year. I mean, he's, I think he's averaging 24 and six. Yeah. He's averaging um, 20, 23.8, four and a half rebounds, 6.1 assists. I mean, he's shooting 50% from the field. 33% 33% from three, which I think that's up from in the 20s last year. He shot 29% from three last year. Uh, he's been one of the better guards in the league. And that's, I mean, credit to, credit to him for for stepping up this year. But the only problem is uh, being one of the best guards in, in the West, there's still a lot of good guards in the West. And there are some that maybe are more deserving this year. Uh, like you said, John Morant, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic. Uh, Shea needs to be there. Um After that, I mean, am I forgetting anybody? I mean, it gets a little murky. I mean.
0: Right. I mean, with with Booker missing so much time and and Phoenix at 500, you could argue that Fox maybe. Well, I don't know. Devin Booker was pretty insane before he got hurt. I, I would probably give Booker just a slight, especially with name notoriety. He probably
1: gets the nod over Fox, but. Uh, That's probably where the conversation begins. Let's see how many games Devin Booker played this year. He's played. Yeah. I mean, Fox has played 37 bookers played 29. I mean, I don't know when he's supposed to return. Uh, He'll be evaluated. And I mean, he's, he's due to be reevaluated at the end of January. So I don't know, Chris. I mean, I don't know at that, at that point. I mean, right now they're pretty close in games played, but he just went out on December 28th and he's going to be out for another three weeks. I don't know if he's he'll be deserving Fox will play what? 45 games at that point, 46 yeah. games at that point. So maybe it's not something that is evident right now and clear, but again, we don't know when this voting process is taking place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the coaches are voting today and the media is voting today. Uh,
0: Does CJ McCollum have a shout? Maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pelican's I mean,
0: obviously good. CJ's played 37 games. Uh, he's, at, he's 21, 21, 21 five and five or 25, just under six assists and just under five rebounds, 40% from three. That's a maybe. Yeah. I would say that probably goes into the discussion bucket, but yeah, I mean, De- De'Aaron's going to, he's going to be at the top of the list. I think for on the bubble guys,
1: he's going to be close. Seven. Yeah. I, I, in my opinion, it's Damer Fox. I I do think that one of them will be there. And, I think there's – I mean, how many guards do you get on each team? Do you get six guards? I think it's four. I think, I think it's, it's
0: two starters, two bench. Oh, and then – well, wild so card. Two, yeah, exactly. Two starters, two bench, and then there's, I think, one or two wild card positions that can be
1: forwards or centers or guards. Let me see. I think you get – I think it's three guards on the bench. Um, oh, so right
0: sorry. now, if lock it up, we would say jaw is a lock. One. Luca is a lock. Two Steph just came back. He'll have another month or so to kind of re-lock himself because he was the lock of locks uh, before he got hurt. So I would say those three are are pretty solidly uh, in in this All Star game. So according to the Athletic,
1: uh, two starters. They have Luca and Steph Curry. Okay. Um, they have reserves. They have. John Morant as a guard, yep. Shea as a guard. That's four, yep. and then they have uh, two more. Devin Booker was well, just uh-huh. Devin Booker. So that's was that five guards. Booker five. Yeah. five guards. Isn't the All Star game more than ten players or just ten players?
0: Um, I think it's twelve. Tw- it could be, I guess, ten on each side, but I
1: thought it was twelve. Let me see. I'm not sure if it's wrong. I could definitely be wrong. Who even know? Like it says uh, it's a 12 man team. Apparently, apparently it's 12 man. So So, they have more. They have more front court players. That's right. There's more front court players. So, again, just to name what. Yeah. To name who they have. And I'll count uh, Luca, Steph, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Shay Gillis, Alexander, Lori Markinen, John Morant, Demonis Sabonis, Zion hey. Williamson, Devin Booker, Aaron Gordon. Those are the twelve. Well, oh, well. Aaron Gordon's something else. That's I. I just don't don't know. Don't yeah. know. Uh, by right. the way, if you're wondering, my Xfinity assistant said my internet will be back on by twelve fifty. That's really convenient. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. It, this is like a – it's going to be a very intriguing case. Now, number one, if by some chance DeMono Sabonis does not make the All-Star team and Aaron Gordon does, I will have to be restrained or I might yeah. do something bad. Yeah. I don't know what Ooh. I will do. Uh, 16 and 6 for Aaron Gordon. Is he a good player? Absolutely. He gives the Kings fits when they play too. I mean, he definitely is – he uses physicality and he gives the Kings a nightmare every time. He is not He is not more deserving than them bonus but
0: right i think at that point it's kind of just like a conversation of so denver's the number one seed in the west they get the priority of getting a second player over the kings who are fourth currently but who knows what they'd be so because you could see denver fans being like well we're the number one seed how do we like imagine if the kings were the one seed yeah and somehow they didn't get fox and sabonis not that you're right. Gordon, the level of either of those guys, but um, that feels a lot more like a, just well, trying to please people.
1: Well, their, their first three out are from the athletic. I mean, you, they, you can take this to the grand salt if you like, I mean, I don't know how many people out here have a lot of stock in the athletic, but they usually have good work. Uh, the West first three out is Paul George, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard. Now I will say that Aaron Gordon's more deserving than Paul George, in my opinion, though Paul George has been very good this year, but It's a discussion. I mean, I think Fox has an upper hand on Dame. I think it's going to be Fox or Booker, which Fox or Booker, Fox and Dame. But I think Booker being out for so long will make it Fox and Dame. And that'll be an interesting case. I mean, things could change over the next couple of weeks. The Kings and and Blazers, they're not that far apart. Portland's, uh, I think, three and a half back of the Kings right now. The West is tight. So one good week could change narratives completely. And we've seen already how Fox, when he struggled, Uh, it it changes narratives and then he's kind of bounced back. He had a rough week when his foot was hurting and the all-star talk was quiet, it was silenced. And then now it's louder than ever because he's been playing so well. So um, it'd be nice to know when the voting was taking place because right now he's playing so well. And it's if they're voting while you're striking while the iron's hot and they're voting right now, that would help him. But who knows?
0: Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You mentioned that there is only a three game difference from fourth place to 11th place. The Kings who are currently in fourth place uh, are only three games behind the Portland Trailblazers who are in 11th. So one bad week. And this thing could, uh, could get ugly really quick. <laughs> we could, we could have a titled hello darkness. My, my old friend.
1: Episode. Um, right. I, I guess before we kind of wrap things up, I know we're, we're going to do a little, yeah. not sure. I mean, we're, we're almost to an hour. It's not that short, but Uh, I just wanted to kind of get your general thoughts on, I mean, how, I don't know. And I hate to kind of sit here. I mean, other fan bases will probably just wake up and look at the standings and say, whatever, who cares? (laughs) The Kings, the Kings are fourth in the West, Chris. I mean, that's significant to me. And it's a game away from
0: halfway through the season.
1: It's not. And I put something last night, just kind of saying, you know, this is not really an early season feel good story anymore. This is, they, they are in the thick of it. They are in the middle of the season They're, they, I, I'm going to put this out later. They've spent more days, Chris, the Kings have spent more days in a top five spot in the West and they have out of playoff position. They have spent 30 days in a top five spot, 22 outside of the top 10. They have been a good team this season. They've proven they belong there. And now they have to prove they can stay there. But I'm also just wondering for you, like, are you like kind of taking a time? Do you look at the standings and kind of just, like with googly eyes or you're just like looking at the standings and just loving it. I mean, looking at their ESPN and page right now, Sacramento Kings next to that name, it says first in the Pacific division. They're first in the Pacific. Yeah. They have a game and a half lead. It's just not, I mean, we're going to enjoy it while we can. You got to smell the flowers while, you know, they're at their most bloomed. Is that a, is that something you, is that a phrase? Uh, no, most not, bloomed?
0: but, uh, I hear what you're saying.
1: It well, should maybe. be. I'm not a so, poet. Right. Are you are you soaking it in? Are you kind of just looking forward to are you kind of just we're on to Friday, we're on to Houston, we're we're on to what's next. I have a confession to make.
0: Yesterday, okay. for the first time this season, I went on to tankathon.com. But it wasn't to look at the lottery. It was to look at the remaining strength of schedule. Uh yeah, I cannot believe that we are actually in a position where we're 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 the four seed. Like we are currently the fourth seed in the Western Conference. And looking at that Tankathon strength of schedule, the Kings have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh easiest schedule in the NBA remaining for the second half of the season. Only have to play the Celtics once, only have to play the Nuggets once, which is the last game of the season, only have to play Memphis, Brooklyn, Milwaukee uh Philadelphia only have to play all of those teams one more time, um which is great. A lot of teams still have to play those teams twice or you know and like it's I think the Celtics the Kings play at home Uh yep. obviously the Brooklyn the Kings will play on the road, but Milwaukee at home, which Milwaukee is I mean, at home tough but helps right. right like they're they they have a, a pretty favorable schedule here uh and it's I believe it's the most favorable. Second most favorable, a third most favorable in the Western Conference, best in their division as well. Um, It's been crazy because yesterday I saw somebody, I think Nick, uh, Nick Cattles mentioned that the Kings were first in the division. And I was like, is that is that something that people actually check? Like, it's been so long since we've been even in a position where. Any of you know where you would even need to check that, that it's like, yeah, like winning the division is actually like those are our banners, our banners that we have
1: in Golden One Center, our division title 20, 20 years old. Those banners, 20 years yeah. old, they're still up in the practice facility, oh. <laughs> they're up in the arena. <laughs> they're
0: up and
1: in the night don't forget about 1951.
0: 19, yeah, it was it 51, yeah, the 51. Rochester Royals, yeah. Um, it's that. insane. I mean, just for them to be in the position they're at right now is uh. I didn't expect it, and I cannot believe that I'm actually starting to really consider, like, can this team be even... I mean, eye test-wise, I think absolutely this team can be better. I think we've seen, specifically on defense, there's a lot of holes in this team that they really do need to address if they want to make any form of playoff run. And I think that there's some depth concerns as well that that definitely would pop its head around uh, come winning time. but you know i'm i'm looking at the where we're currently sitting and you look at the remaining schedule and like it's hard to not get excited and think wow can we actually kind of we're, we're on on friday is yet another shot to get five games above 500 can the kings like finish this season 10 games above 500 i mean we were wondering before the season is 500 kind of the best that this, you know, hovering a couple, two to three games above or below 500 was kind of where people were feeling. There's a good chance that we blow the doors off that. And we're looking at a, I don't know, a 51 and what would that be? 51 and 31 31. team.
1: You know, and I agree that to me, 20 it, games above it seems, it seems like, what what is it before an earthquake or after like trem like tremors or uh, like, tremors, a, yes, aftershock, it, it feels like each time they get to four games over that little tremor starts. And I feel like we've seen the seven game winning streak, but we have not seen this team really just rattle them off. Like in, mm-hmm. in like, like after the fact, I mean, that was to get them out of a hole, that seven game winning streak. Mm-hmm. They were kind of climbing out of a hole at that point. They started on four. They have not right. climbed five games over yet. And when you look right. at what on Friday, if they can really take advantage of this next stretch here, they have Houston, San Antonio, Los Angeles, Oklahoma city. If they can really take advantage of Friday and just kind of get over that five game hump, which they have not been able to slay that dragon yet. They have not been able to get that fifth win and climb over five games over, which they haven't done in, in 17 years. They really could ride a lot of some wins here. And like you said, make that push to be not just like, a. and again, they're 22 and 18, which that's a great record to me for all things considered for the Sacramento Kings. But they need to be again, like you said, ten games plus over, in my opinion, to really kind of get that comfortability of okay, they have the flexibility they can they can drop a game or two here and there. But if mm-hmm. they don't, they're going to be hovering around this, you know, four or five seed. Sure, but they're two three games away from dropping to eighth or ninth. You know, they don't want to be. I've like I told you last week. I my sights are shifting off the plan. The plan doesn't interest me anymore. Like that does not seem fun to me. A one game winner go home for the whole season like we talked about the MLB wildcard game was torturous for me over the years. I don't like it. I want them to be in position to have at least four games. And right now they wouldn't just have four games. They'd be hosting. They'd be hosting mm-hmm. the first two. Serious, right? So it's exciting. It's exciting times, man. And uh, this next week's really a good opportunity for them to, to blow it open and hope that they can.
0: If I'm not mistaken, the King season so far has gone the and four start and then seven in a row and then pretty much 500 basketball. Correct. Yeah. I would put I mean, a one game above 500 after that.
1: Yeah. I maybe mean, if you take away the 0 and 4 start, just kind of wipe that completely off, they're eight games over. So that's, right. I mean, hey, man, they, they've been playing really good basketball since that first week yep. of the year. And also, quick note the Kings own the third best road record in the Western Conference. They are right. 500. They're, well, I'm sorry. They're tied. I'm sorry. They are yeah. tied, tied to number for one best. with, with, with guess who? <laughs> The top two teams in the conference, the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. Things I did not see coming is the Kings being a number one road team in the West. So uh, they're going to get challenged. They've been playing a lot of home games lately. They're going to have a Mm -hmm. seven-game road trip next month. Uh, Minnesota twice, San Antonio, Indiana, New Orleans, and Houston twice. And again, a lot of their upcoming schedule to me until the All-Star break is winnable. I mean, the only games they have really coming up over the next, and again, you can lose any night. I'm not going to, we're not going to go through every game. And I'm just going to say, when you have Philadelphia and Memphis and the rest of the games you look at and you go, hmm, we could win these games. That's a very, you and I, do, we we, we can't, I don't think I can recall ever looking at a schedule and thinking that more games than not, the Kings have a chance of winning. More so, it was you and I looking for games that could try to sneak out or, Well, they're playing the Suns at home. Maybe they could really dig deep and win. No, they can. I think the Kings can be anybody on any night. That's how I feel right now. And that is a crazy, crazy thought and feeling. But it's here.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think for whatever reason, the Eastern Conference teams seem to have like our number, like really have our number, like the Milwaukees, the, the, Phillies and you know the Boston's of the world it feels like the Kings stand no chance but yeah I definitely agree like especially at the West in the Western Conference it just feels like you know we saw the Kings split a Nuggets two-game series Uh, the Kings have beaten the the Grizzlies this season there's not really any Western Conference team that really you know in a seven-game series maybe that's a different conversation but on a one-off game we haven't seen New Orleans yet but it feels like the Kings um can can just about hang with anybody and i'm i'm excited to see them play new orleans twice in the second half of the season. I believe they still have two games against Dallas as well. That'll be interesting to see how they stack up against them. Um yeah, just just really interested to see how how the kings do against some of the the better teams in the western conference as well, but um yeah, that 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 road record does really really surprise me, especially considering that they are only 500 um you know, De'Aaron mentioned yesterday that that that's kind of the the benchmark. Like, if you want to be a good team in this league in general, just going five hundred is a good start because then you can win five to ten games at home, uh, be over five hundred, five to ten games, and and there you go. That that's all you really need to do is just take care of home be average or okay on the road and and you're a winning basketball team in this league. And that's exactly what they are doing right now. So it'll be interesting
1: to see uh, with trip, how, how
0: they fare. And
1: uh, with uh, that, we should
0: probably go ahead.
1: Lessons sorry, 12 and 12 and nine uh, against the East. You're the Kings. They're 10 and nine Mm -hmm. in the West. So, um, and also that those Dallas games coming up, that's going to be a fun weekend at Golden Wand Center. That's the mm-hmm. last weekend before the All-Star break. You have a back-to-back Friday-Saturday with Luca in town. I can imagine the Golden One is going to be a madhouse for those two. Um, did you want to give an award? It seemed like you were teeing up an award.
0: I did. No, yeah. I was going to also tee up uh, just the, the, the schedule for for the week. Um, yeah, the Kings have Houston on Friday. They have uh, at San Antonio on Sunday, at Lakers on Wednesday, and then uh we're probably going to record again on Thursday, like we mentioned, at the With top of the, the boys, show. With the boys. The boys. Uh, now, now, as you mentioned, Frank, it is time for everyone's favorite time. It is the awards. Um, my award goes to the man who won the award last night, uh, the defensive player of the game. It goes to Trigger Trey Lyles. Who uh, I mentioned, I have just, I, I'm ready to get a Trey Lyles jersey at this point. <laughs> just the way he's been playing, the tenacity I mentioned earlier uh, that he's been crashing the glass with this week uh, or the past couple weeks has just been inspiring to me. It makes me really uh, happy to have Trey on our roster, especially, you know, for somebody that you're paying $2 million a year to be finally getting, you know, a great value guy from the kings is is huge Uh, a dude who's playing better than what his contract is is just massive this is three straight games uh that trey has finished in double figures coming off the bench love to see that uh like i mentioned his offensive rebounding has really stuck out to me these past couple uh games he's gotten an offensive rebound uh oh you know actually his offensive rebound they are pretty good but uh nothing really spectacular he does have a couple three offensive rebound games but uh just eye test wise i just feel like trey has been super important and uh in last night's game if you'll remember it's 101 to 100 houston's leading uh and trey lyles gets an offensive rebound gets a putback, and that starts the 22 to 4 run that yeah. that really set things going so uh, I'm just going to give it to Trey because Trey has uh has just been my favorite this week.
1: Trey A, no completely agree. Right. Uh my mine. I'm going a different route. I mean we know that De'Aaron Fox and De'Vontae Sabonis we talked about them enough today. Right. They have been playing I mean Sabonis I give it to him every week if I could. I'm going to He has this, the the Debonis Sabonis award. He has the Sabonis award. We'll give him that on the side. Congratulations Sabonis on your your uh, how many weeks straight awards this is on that. But uh I'm going to give it to your guy Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Oh, no has been a very, very sneaky, uh, great – I'm I'm saying great contributor because look at his last five games. 21 21 points per game. He's not rebounding very well, but that doesn't really matter. He's scoring 21 points per game, 56 from the field, 48% from three on almost seven attempts per game. He is knocking down threes, and it it feels like every time he shoots three, it's going in lately, Mm. and that's a very – a very nice feeling because I know that he was really struggling earlier in the season, but Harrison Barnes has dug himself out of that hole. Uh, he's very valuable to this team. He kind of changes the lineup when he's playing well. And right now, I mean, the Kings didn't have Kevin Herter last night. Kevin Herter has been on a heater. Uh, all their starting five right now are just kind of playing out of their minds. And to that, success follows. And the Kings now, uh, I know they had those, those, those rough two games to begin the homestand, but they've won one, two, three, four four, five of their last eight games. So Harrison Barnes had a huge hand in that. Uh, the scoring aspect of his game has returned. And that makes the Kings very dangerous when he's playing at a level like that, when he's knocking down threes and King and Murray, I mean, when you have Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter on the perimeter. I mean, and they're all right now shooting, I think 40% or better over the last seven, eight games. That is, I mean, that, that's what elite teams have. They have like elite, like that's what the Milwaukee's have. and, um, I'm not really sure who else has I mean, who else. Not many. No,
0: not not many teams, especially when three shooters on the floor at once. Like that's that's Golden State level stuff. Like Golden you, State, you exactly. You don't get that kind of three point production and and um, efficiency from from your. Also, those are your non stars. Like the, yep. that's that is when you when you imagine Fox Sabonis three shooters. That's the exact kind of productivity that you're hoping for to get your team on an optimized level. And uh, we've seen that, you know, especially in, in, you know, you, I mentioned uh, the game last night a, a lot, but <clears throat> I don't think their offense was playing well last night. And for them to still manage to drop 135 points um, was just incredible. And it, to sh- score that many points while shooting under 50% from the field is, is uh, it's just ridiculous. Like this, this team, this team has so many weapons, and
1: uh, they're they're incredibly dangerous. With more room to grow. I mean, more room to grow. Uh, yeah. Coke machine, I'll start and just Dude. say I'm going to give it to uh, the whole um, off-the-coast-of-California weather system that we've been mm. dealing with. Uh, yeah. Relax. Take a break. Today they're taking a break. The sun is out. That's nice. And then you're going to just completely hammer us this weekend again. But, um, you know, I know that a lot of us in California have been asking for rain. But this is – I I told you – I don't think you were there. But I told uh, James and Brendan at practice every day, I said, I used to think that I wanted to live in Seattle. And the past two weeks have changed my mind. I don't think I would ever want to live there. That's This has been horrible. I really have not liked this much rain. I don't enjoy it. Um, I'm good. I'm over it. So Coke machine of the week, please relax, take a break, stop uh, damaging everything. The wind too has just been horrible. So Coke machine. Of the Week. Yeah.
0: No, I don't know what the hell you were thinking. Seattle is a no go for me. The rain sucks. It's really depressing. And like the last thing I want to do when it's raining is go outside. So I yeah. uh, could not disagree with you more on, uh, well, could not now agree with Coke, you Coke machine to me. It sounds like Coke machine award to me for,
1: um,
0: this is tough. Coke machine of the week.
1: Don't give it to Matt George again. I know. He was upset. No.
0: Yeah. We had to tell him to listen to it. Didn't even listen to it. Claims to be a fan. Uh, fake fan. Casual. Um, super casual. casual. Uh, yeah. You know what? I just don't have. a. <laughs> I just don't have a Coke machine. My Coke machine, I guess, will be. Uh, man, I really can't think of something. It's just really it, tough.
1: Just give it. Give it to Mark
0: Davis. He is the worst just the officials in general like i just can't when in doubt give it to mark davis that laker game uh, mark davis did not officiate that laker game but um
1: oh that call i don't even got to talk about it. i mean we don't need to right. talk about it that much but we that don't. was right. ridiculous maybe
0: that's what I'll, I'll just give it to the referees in that laker game um i think rarely do both sides feel like the refs are jipping them, and uh, in that Laker game, I think there was a combined 60 free throws or something like that taken in that game. Uh, just absolutely disgusting. For the result to come down to the De'Aaron Fox chest bump on Dennis Schroeder, uh, that was called terrible. Nobody's here to see the referees. Uh, and then for De'Aaron did not get called on that half-court shot where, where it appears that Russ hit his elbow, i'm a little 50 50 on i'm okay with it not being called it's a it's a last second heave and for you to get that call is probably not a great way to end it but
1: i just don't like the way they, they phrase it our ending it says marginal contact was made it's still a contact though and i don't right. think it was a foul i don't but why why say there was marginal contact in the description in the two minute You're report right. i mean it, that's why the two minute report is just a joke exactly but even schroeder or is it Schroeder? is it, am I saying it right
0: i think I think it's potato potato but uh, uh, is wrong but
1: yes uh he 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 uh, said that uh, he he the post game comments he said well, yeah i, I don't think it was a foul i mean I've, i that happens in a lot of plays right. and they don't call foul nine times out of ten, so right frustrating here said
0: if you were to call that foul the entire game, you would have like sixty fouls,
1: yeah uh bad calls, but the kings also I, they they I don't, I don't like know. that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Uh, No longer on level three airwaves. Um, Anywho, uh, on to tomorrow. On to tomorrow. Talk to you guys soon
0: yes talk to you guys next week again uh we will be back on next thursday with matt george and brendan nunez hopefully uh back live on the Sagtown sports 1140 youtube channel and on the twitter as well you can check us out on our twitter pages frankie is at f cardicelli three yes good luck uh i am at chris m watkins should be easy um please tune in uh on saturday i will be doing kings weekly at 11 o'clock uh on the sports 1140 airwaves uh you can read frankie's articles after every single sacramento king's home game they're fantastic sometimes they're takeaways sometimes they're recaps of the game sometimes it's frankie uh just trying to get out of the building so you never know what you're gonna get uh but what you do know is uh i don't know what you know but the kings are playing well currently sitting at fourth in the Western Conference, first in the Pacific Division for Frankie Carminelli. Light the beam. Light the dang beam. I am Chris Watkins. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.